This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. A lot to hit. Interviews, new hirings, some firings, and much more across football and the sports landscape. We've got Trey Wallace who will join us. That's in 20 minutes from Outkick.com. We'll talk Georgia and their dominance, but also Jaden Rashada and the quarterback mess at Florida. We'll dive into that with Trey, plus Zach Albaverde from Gators Online, the Gators Online podcast. He will join us in hour number two. One big thing on every NFL playoff game in hour three. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm excited for this uh, show today. We've officially turned the corner. Feels like the weekend's already here. I can sense weekend vibes with today's program. Um, but this, really? this Jaden Rashada thing that you bring up, yes. this is not just a Florida Gators story. This is emblematic of the direction I think we are heading with a lot of possible headaches uh, with NIL, specifically with collectives at schools. But this feels different, though. It, it feels different. Also, it, it's not always going to be a problem. These are just some of the p- potential pitfalls. There's going to be seasons and players that come in that have no issues. They get paid what they're promised. They get other endorsements. They're happy. Everyone's fine. And you see no – there's going to be nothing surface level that anyone would ever know or see that would be any problems. It's when it goes public because you've got a star, five-star quarterback – that is unhappy at the school that, by the way, he decommitted from Miami, committed to Florida. Now he's unhappy. This all could be settled, and he ends up being a great Florida Gators quarterback, and we don't know much else about what went on in the meantime. But if it's not settled and he leaves, just a potential storyline to watch that could take place at other programs. Well, what it takes to move these guys, though, is the ability of bidding, the open bidding for the other collectives and schools. You know, it's going to take two, not one, if you want to enter the transfer portal, which the, I mean, to me, uh, the, the way this story has progressed, it feels like he's a, a guy that's going to hit a couple different universities on his path to the league, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's already on number two, and he's been reportedly asked out, but his father is saying that hasn't happened. Meanwhile, the, the money trail is being discussed on an open forum because they can do that now through the collective's. And Florida's in a desperate need for a quarterback that can spin it. And this guy can. So maybe they pony up and pay. We'll talk about it with Trey and with Zach. It's also, it's not just the financials. It's not just about the money lost or the money that you're not getting right now that you thought you were getting. Because you're right, Hutton, he could go another place and get the same amount or close to it. I think that when you get multiple people around a prospect – they're going to convince that prospect that this whole thing, if they're not giving you what they said they would, is indicative of a lack of trust that you have with that program. And if you can't trust them, you can move on. Furthermore, to your first point, 
I view that way with every prospect now that they're going to be at multiple schools. Yeah, especially at quarterback. I don't. I don't look Unless at anyone. At Georgia, separate of like Arch Manning, right? <laughs> right. Who that, yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. think he's the type that's going to leave Texas. He's not leaving. But everyone else, I see four or five star quarterback, and I think if they don't get exactly what they want, money wise, play time wise, if they don't recruit the players they want from their area that they know, there's a chance they might bolt at any time. It goes back to what I say about college sports in general. I don't look at the class someone's in anymore. It's just a, a revolving amoeba. Of a roster well, that you look at each year, I don't think, the boy, they got two more guys. guys with this guy, yeah. with this this player, right? It's tough to figure out. I just think, I hope this guy comes back if he's got eligibility. <laughs> and if not, all I right, well, who else can you go steal from some other program that's got eligibility that's good? It's just, that's the game now at, at every program. I don't know that anyone's immune to that. And I think that eventually leads to unionization. If you have situations where guys are promised something that they're not getting then how do you go about policing that and ensuring that if you know if you want to sign contracts, you got to have a players union that's going to help you do that and represent you if you're not getting what you signed up for. And they don't want to sign contracts. This is the this is the the ebb and flow of it because I don't think that these guys want to get involved with that. They just want the money. Well, they just want to get not paid. They don't want to get locked recourse? in by anything. What's your recourse then? To they, go somewhere else? Yeah, but you're locked into your letter of intent. The NCAA has to that let will, him out that of will that. Will pay you. Yeah, and or Florida would have to let him out of it. And here's the other thing, too. It's going to hurt Florida in recruiting. Sure. It, when word gets out that they're not making good on any promise they made, you know it's going to hurt even worse? If they don't just do what the kid wants and let him out. That's not going to help them with other players. So it's a slippery, slippery slope with all of this. There's going to be programs that we never hear a peep out of that's going to work it just fine and not have a problem in the bunch. And there's going to be more Jaden Rashada stories out there also. And maybe this ends with a happy conclusion for Florida. I don't know at this point. But we'll talk more about it with our guests. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren is leaving his post as commissioner to become the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. The Bears have hired from outside the organization for this position for the first time in the history of their franchise. And Kevin Warren is headed back to the NFL where he had a, a very long career, 21 years in the league um, in, in some varying roles. Um, but, Chad, he's been the commissioner of the Big Ten for three and a half years, roughly. And the amount of change since he got there to where he leaves feels like a decade. They expand from 14 to 16. They add USC, UCLA. He has the meteorites deal, seven years with multiple networks for seven plus billion dollars over that seven years, where each university is about to receive a hundred million dollars per school per season, just for the rights to the Big Ten on TV, and on top of that, he didn't receive a contract extension, and that stems from the way he handled the COVID season, and a lot of the presidents at individual universities apparently don't like the guy all that much. He took over in January of 2020. We all know what happened in March of 2020 of that year. And unfortunately for Kevin Warren, his legacy with the Big Ten is his decision to try to cancel the season. Yep. And then he basically got overruled because he got publicly shamed because every other conference was finding a way to play and, and didn't cancel. And he had to come back and say, you know, nothing's really changed, but I made the wrong decision. And now we're going to move forward with a conference-only season. That's his legacy. Those that like Kevin Warren will point to the addition of UCLA and USC 
will point to the successful negotiation on a new TV rights deal. Those that don't like him or are indifferent, Ty is going to go to making a decision to cancel football for that season on Kevin Warren. And that's his legacy there. And it's bad. It's a bad legacy. Well, on top of that, not only the conferences, like the SEC finding a way, but the individual presidents. You know, I'll never forget Ohio State was considering, Nebraska was considering independent play so they could play football in 2020, in the fall of 2020. And that was all over a span of about six days where all of this craziness was going on where he says he wasn't going to reopen the door and discuss it, and then he did and ultimately played. And they came up with their own rules on how how many games you had to play to get to the Big Ten Championship game. Ohio State made it after not technically playing the same amount of games. Crazy. And then on top of that, I mean, that in and of itself feels like three and a half years. Um, On top of that, he has the $7 billion media deal where he's getting $40 million more per school than the SEC universities, which is eventually going to change. But it's kind of crazy. And you up in the, the summer of 2021 or 2022, excuse me, whenever you add USC and UCLA, and apparently they're considering more. Yeah, and now we keep an eye on who's going to possibly be rumored and reported to replace him because that person is going to be one of the two most powerful people in college sports. Yes. It is Greg Sankey and whoever fills that role as Big Ten commissioner. So that is a very important job. More important than the governor of Massachusetts being the head of the NCAA, quite frankly. The way things are mm-hmm. headed, I, I would argue that the commissioner of the Big Ten is a more important, more powerful gig, certainly the SEC also, than the president of the NCAA, um, which is weird to say because that's the governing body of all the conferences. But I really think that we're headed to a point of power where those two conferences are separating from everyone else, and Kevin Warren gets to go back to the NFL. What a great – I mean – career in sports for Kevin Warren though for years and years with the Vikings NFL then he has does all of that with the Big Ten good and bad and then able to go and become president and CEO of the Chicago Bears not bad for him and certainly not going to be bad for whoever gets that job next right and and from the Bears perspective they have a, a a guy coming in that's going to run their stadium rebuild they purchased Arlington Heights that property which I believe is around 300 acres for $197 million last year. And they've been sitting on that, wanting to take Soldier Field, do away with that, and move their complex out with the racetrack. So he's going to head this up while, of course, running every aspect of the organization. And he takes over an organization with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft with a brand new regime and with a a new general manager who came from Kansas City that has traded away assets for picks that's about to revamp everything. So it's a, it's a good move for Chicago because the Bears have a guy who can negotiate and make stuff happen in a short amount of time. That's number one. And he comes in with 21 years of NFL experience after running, um, being one of two that are running college sports. David Shaw. By the I, way, quick, quickly yeah. on that Bears development in Arlington Heights. I don't know if you've seen this, but... There is a, there's a company, a development company, who released a video of a proposed $2.2 billion renovation to Soldier Field. There's all these groups making an effort to keep the Bears downtown. Sure. In Chicago and the, the developing the entertainment in the district around it and putting a retractable roof over the current construct of, mm-hmm. of Soldier Field. 
Uh, it's very interesting. I think they're going where they're going. Well, the team doesn't get because along with the city. Yeah, they That's bought the all that land, too. Yeah. I don't think they're just going to either try to sell that or they're going to use that land would be my – my thought on that, but anyways, that's something to watch about the city wanting them to stay downtown. David Shaw, former Stanford head coach who stepped down after this past season, um, has interviewed for the Broncos job. At the the presser or the statement that he released whenever he stepped down and, and stepped away from head coaching, he didn't say that he was burned out, but he also said he wasn't looking to jump right back in. And Shaw has NFL background. He's been at Stanford for some time, but he has had some roles with the Eagles, the Raiders, the Ravens. He was with the Ravens right as he took the job with Stanford. And now he's been one of four to interview so far with Denver. But those names, Harbaugh, Caldwell, and now David Shaw, are interviewing with uh, a group led by Walt, uh, Rob Walton. But it is George Payton, their general manager, and Condoleezza Rice who is part of the ownership group in Denver. She's a part of the main interview process for the Broncos. And, of course, their ties with Stanford make a ton of sense as to why he's in Denver interviewing for that top post. This, those names that have been mentioned that are all of note and that we all know, mm -hmm. those are the names of the candidates for the richest owner in the league. <laughs> The first thing that pops to my next. mind is, all right, that's going to be, oh, I, I know who you're going to say next, <laughs> and it's the biggest name out there. Yeah. But I'm thinking, oh, the guy who runs Walmart and whose family owns Walmart, that's the guy that's going after all these big names. That makes sense. They're not going to go with some special teams coordinator that isn't going to give them their first chance. It's going to be a name hire for the Broncos. Head coach. Yeah. Yeah, like with, with, with who they just fired after 16 games. Uh, so Sean Payton is scheduled to interview with the Broncos next. Uh, and I think the, hot, the, the, the headlines are interesting, Chad, because when I see he's going to interview, they, he's interviewing them, right? He's going to have his choice here of the top job based on his connections around the league and the fact that he's going to have to figure out who's going to win him over in order to begin that negotiation process with New Orleans because you have to trade for his rights to get him out of media back into coaching because he's still under contract with the terms of the deal with the New Orleans Saints when he stepped away. Yeah, he's, he's interviewing them, and he's making the decision about where he wants to go. But also, uh, does the Saints front office need to be in on these interviews? Because they're the ones that's going <laughs> to well, make the decision on the trade. They're granting also. permission for, for teams to interview him. I mean, it's just a weird process because of the added hurdle of a trade that would have to take place. I, my assumption is the price is out there with the team. I don't know how negotiable it is, you know, for from the Saints' perspective, if they're just willing to sit on that and not bend at all to, to, to deal him somewhere else. But the, the, two, the two levels, normally you have either the, you interview someone or talk to them, either they want it or they don't, or you want them or you don't in terms of a hire. This is, there's a third person in the room here, and it's the New Orleans Saints because there's the added level of they have to agree to the trade. We have to come up with something that makes sense for our franchise. And if not, even if Sean Payton wants to be the Denver Broncos head coach and we want him badly and we will give him the moon, we're not going to give the moon and the sun to the Saints in order to procure his rights. But they don't have that. That's the problem. They can't trade that. They've traded that already to Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. So the next two first-round picks... You know, they're gone. Second round picks as well. 
So if you're New Orleans, Denver can't offer you what other teams could offer you. And if, also, if you're New Orleans and you get offered a first or second round pick, you've got to take it. With where you are organizationally, you've got to take it to help revamp your roster. But that was in shambles based on salary cap constraints. And you get a chance to add a young top prospect, especially if it's a first rounder, that is relative, cheap relative to the rest of the roster. So the team, I think the, the team that steps up and is willing to give the first round grade, we should say, on the trade for Sean Payton, they're also going to be able to make him the top offer. Because if you're going to pay this guy, you've got to be willing to pay the price too. Yeah, It's and, not one or the other. And does Sean Payton, how picky is he right now? I think probably. I think very. he's probably pretty picky, but does he does he think I, I'm not going to go to the Panthers? I, I'm just throwing a team out sure, there. Yeah, even if they're willing to make the move, and I know they do that within the division. But you see my point, okay? Well, I'll just wait a year. The Broncos don't have the capital to make the move. I really want to go there. The other openings don't interest me that much. I'll wait another year. Well, then a year from now, do you reach a situation where okay, now I'm two years removed. Now I'm not nearly as picky as I was last year. I'll go anywhere that'll make that trade for the first-round pick. There's a law of diminishing returns here for Sean Payton also is my point. Or you just wait out your if, contract. If you want to be a coach. Yeah, you just yeah. wait out the, the terms of the contract. Hit us up on social at Outkick360. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel there as well, streaming at Outkick.com. Uh, another note, the neutral site for the potential AFC Championship matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills will be in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, makes sense. Neutral site. Um, they were willing to do it. Apparently, Indianapolis turned down the option to host the the AFC Championship game. Is it a volleyball tournament they have there? They have an event there that they couldn't do it. I, I, I read about. There's some big event. They have a bunch of people coming in for something that's going on at the convention center in the stadium that weekend. Uh, I'll have to look up exactly what it was. There was a conflict. I don't think they just flat out said no. They had something going on. They couldn't do it. I feel like Atlanta or Indianapolis gets every big event. I just feel like anything, anytime you mention any neutral site event, you can well, this, go ahead and throw Atlanta and Indy yeah, well, right into the mix because of the indoor, huge, nice stadium. And it's, 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 It seems it's like an easy fit. A lot of the same travel for both both teams potentially like Indy would have been almost exactly 800 miles from Kansas city and 800 miles from Buffalo. So that made a ton of sense from the fan base perspective and Atlanta's easy to fly into as well. So that I think from a fan perspective, that makes sense coming up. We discuss what happened in Los Angeles for the NCAA and the college football national championship. Trey Wallace was there. We will recap Georgia's season of dominance and also, what's Florida going to do at quarterback with Jaden Rashada? That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We say hello to Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. Talking college football headlines, SEC, and the dominance of the Georgia Bulldogs. Trey, you're back from L.A. Hope all is well. 
Yeah, I did not expect uh, to come back from L.A. and have a cold, but uh, <laughs> that was the circumstances that presented us uh, at SoFi Stadium as uh, the rain came down somehow uh, in that stadium, and, and we watched the Georgia Bulldogs just put that thing away in the second quarter and didn't look back. Georgia enters the dynasty mode. Uh, the headline now from Trey at OutKick.com. Trey, which program does that impact the most, not named Georgia in the SEC? Not So not in the SEC or no, in, in the SEC? in the I'm SEC, sorry. just not named Georgia. Yeah, I, I think it impacts maybe someone like Florida. I, I think it for them trying to continue to make those next steps going forward, uh, because Georgia and Alabama are going to fight back and forth. Uh, these, are, these are like two brothers – that are trying to one-up each other. I think that's what Georgia and Alabama is currently at the moment. Um, I, I think it does impact a school like Florida because we're seeing other schools take strides while things in Gainesville don't seem to be as uh, adequate mm-hmm. at the moment, maybe is the right word to say. Um, and, and and just looking at it, you know, you you look at the talent at LSU, um, look what Tennessee's doing with their talent. You you look around the conference. There are teams that are, are going upwards, and uh, I just think Florida's that one team that it doesn't help what Georgia's doing anyways, period, because of recruiting, because of those two schools going up against each other uh, for a lot of these kids. Um, and, and what Georgia did on Monday night is just kind of further cementing their legacy but also their dominance in the conference. Um because, I mean, we we see it all the time. Like, we get Alabama, we get LSU fighting each other. You know, that's that's that Western brawl. And I know divisions will go away soon and that won't matter. But for right now, I, I think it has, I think it more has to do with Florida and what they're doing. How much harder is it going to get for a Georgia or an Alabama or, or Ohio State or anyone to go on a run like this and establish true dominance once they move to a 12 team playoff? And how much it's going to help thin that out because you have more chances against other great teams to possibly have your quarterback injured and lose a game where otherwise you wouldn't in the current format. You know, I I think it's going to look, it's going to hinder, I think, what you what we have seen with the whole 15 and 0 type of deal. Um, uh, Playoffs are going to present the opportunity, and I hate to say it, but the opportunity, you know, you drop a game earlier in the season or halfway through the season, you're still getting into the playoffs and you're okay. Um, I, I think when you have, you know, could an, could like an eight seed this year have beaten Georgia in the, you know, if they had played somehow in the semifinals, if they had gotten that far? Um, I, I find that kind of hard to believe just because of Georgia's good Georgia's defense was. But I will say it does present more opportunities now um, for these teams to be able to catch a, you know, catch a one or two or a three or four seed off guard. And and that's where your upsets are going to happen. You know, in a, in a, in a regular year, you know, maybe a one loss TCU team in the playoffs, you know, once it expands and the voting gets a little different, um, I'm wondering if they would be, you know, sitting in that third or fourth spot in, in the playoff rankings, you know, would they actually be dropped back to, maybe seventh or eighth, and, and it gives a little more leniency when it comes to the committee and how they put these teams. So I, I think overall, yeah, I, I think this does present a problem for these big-name schools. And 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 look, what happened – and what happened, you know, 
not in SoFi, but let's take it back to the Peach Bowl. You know, that game against Ohio State, Georgia and Ohio State was so good. You know, then you had the Michigan TCU game and the Fiesta Bowl. You know, just to, just imagine that right there. Um, and, and we're going to get maybe four, of the, four more of those type of games when the playoffs comes around. So, I mean, I, I'm just saying there's going to be more chances of these upsets, but I think the dominant teams like Georgia, Chad, you know, they're, they're still going to be hanging around, you know, that first round by, and, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm curious to see how much it impacts them. Like if a quarterback goes down or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Michigan AD Ward manual is in a tough spot right now. And I say that for this reason, there's reports out that, He's not willing to give Jim Harbaugh this huge raise and a lot more years on his contract because they may be in a little bit of trouble with the NCAA because Jim Harbaugh and their notice of allegations lied to the NCAA about something pretty small that he shouldn't lie about. Now, that sounds crazy that you should be worried about that, but I witnessed a coach in Bruce Pearl get a 10-year show cause for lying about something small to the NCAA and trying to cover it up. So who knows what direction that's going to go. Part of me says in today's college football world, Trey, you just give him the money and the contract and keep him away from the NFL because they just beat Ohio State two years in a row and got to back-to-back college football playoffs. Another part of me says, I'm not willing to play ball to that level with a guy who's going to go interview for other jobs every offseason. If we're going to have to do this song and dance about will he or won't he go back to the NFL, if that's always going to be an option, what do you think Michigan should do in this instance with Jim Harbaugh? I, I think it, it's one more year, but if, if if one more year entails flirtation with the NFL, you can't – like that's that's the biggest thing that agitates me about Harbaugh is, is we're getting these vague statements to come out as well. Like I expect to be back in Ann Arbor. I, you know, I, 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 I look forward to next year and I hope things – and then all of a sudden, bam, NCAA notice of allegations. Like, wait a minute, what? You know, like where does this come from? Like you set that up perfectly. Um, and and so you look at it and you've got, you know, you got NCAA problems right now that didn't really have to be problems. Okay. Everybody and their mother during the COVID year was using analyst GAs, quality controls, however, who however you want to name it. They were using them in practices, okay, to help during COVID quietly. It's almost like when the compliance guy left the building, that's when you did the stuff that you weren't supposed to during COVID. It's how it went down in college football. You could pretty much anywhere. If the NCAA wanted to, they could probably bust about every single school in FBS for doing something during COVID like that. The lying part about meeting recruits, it's like, okay, every school was doing that as well. It's interesting that you're lying about it because I bet the NCAA has some sort of pictures. Some something somebody turned them in for that part. And, and and if they turned them in, I promise you they've got proof. So why would you sit there and lie about it or withhold information and be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about? Like, I didn't see it. I didn't run into anybody. Why are you doing it? And it's like, you know, you're about to get caught. So why do it? So it's it, it just, it's one of those situations where Michigan has to look at themselves. I think, how much longer do we really want to do this? How much longer to every offseason 
Every NFL job that opens up, is this guy going to put his name in there because he wants some sort of attention? And that's what Jim Harbaugh does. You can like him or love him, and that's fine. You cannot like what he does when it comes to the NFL, but that's just who Harbaugh is nowadays. So, it, 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 look, if Michigan could go in every single year and keep the same amount of money that they give him now and he can flirt with the NFL and he can continue to put out statements, then so be it. But I'd be getting sick and tired of it by now. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, I don't know how it's affecting recruiting right at the moment, but it can't help when your head coach is, is being mentioned for other jobs every single year. And, and especially coming off a year where again, they failed to make the college football playoff championship game and getting beat by uh, another team in the semifinals. So not pretty right now in Ann Arbor. Trey, this Jaden Rashada situation in Florida certainly will not help any recruiting for the Gators if if it backfires. My guess right now is if there's some holdup over a dollar amount that uh, Florida and their collective will probably find that in a couch cushion somewhere of some wealthy donor and in the speculation if he hasn't left yet. What are you hearing on Jaden Rashada and the likelihood he either tries to get out of that letter of intent and go somewhere else or just sticks with Florida? I've been heard he's trying to get out of that letter of intent. I've 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 been told that his family has is hired a lawyer as well in this situation. Uh Florida uh let, just put it bluntly, uh Florida doesn't have the money right now uh to pay the young man uh what he was owed. Now, if you want to call that a pay for play, you can call that a pay for play. Um, but it, it's NIL. I mean, that's what it is nowadays. NIL in certain states, uh, you can start receiving NIL a little bit earlier. Uh, California had passed that. You know, Tennessee, you know, in a way, the state of Tennessee is is kind of past that. Um, I've been told, and multiple people have been reporting this, is that NIL is is one of the factors, the main factor in why he is not on campus right now. Uh, when his father came out last night and talked to 247 Sports, and he said uh, along the lines of, you know, we we have to talk with Florida. We're trying to work through the situation. The situation is the money. It's not anything else. doesn't have to do with grades. doesn't have to do with he was putting in the wrong dorm room. Nothing. He was in Orlando. He was going to show up in Gainesville after the Under Armour event. And the reason he's not there is he was promised some money that he has not gotten yet. And, you know, Edgar Thompson from the Orlando Sentinel yesterday, um, last night, put out the dollar figure amount, uh, $13 million NIL deal for a four-star quarterback, which absolutely blows my mind. $13 million deal spread over three to four years for for a kid that has not taken a snap yet. Um, But it was, you know, I think that we'll come to learn maybe soon um, maybe the initial deposit did not show up, and maybe that's why Jaden's not on Florida's campus at the moment. Could that change, guys? Yeah, we all know it could change. If Florida doesn't want to be embarrassed by this situation, uh, right, you know, take care of it, you know. And it's not like Billy, it's not Billy Napier, it's it's the you know, the Gator Fund, Gator Collectives, all, all these groups trying to buy. And you know, sometimes I think the biggest lesson. Maybe we can learn out of this once more information comes out about it. You know, maybe he tells his side of the story is uh, don't promise these kids something you don't have. Uh, so, you know, if, if it turns out that's the case, then uh, not going to be a good situation because the recruits are going to look at Florida and be like, wait a minute. Well, can we can we trust Florida 
Can we trust them if we sign the NIL agreement down there that they're going to pay it forward? That this is going to happen? A lot of weird stuff happening right now in Gainesville. Trey, how many of these types of stories have you heard of so far in the first two years of all this going on? A, a good amount. Uh, a, a, a good amount. Over 10, I would say. Over 10. And that's just the stories I, I, I'm looking into. Are they all quarterbacks um, or, or vast majority? No, they're no. No, not, I mean, not all quarterbacks. I would say, I'm counting off the top of my head right now, I would probably say six of them were quarterbacks, um, but there's running backs in there. Um, but 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 I've also heard things at, at kind of like a, a, a smaller level, you know, go go down a notch, you know, like um, some local deals, you know, that, that might go on that, that local companies can't take care of um, or, or, or funds aren't on time. You know, I, I know of one player that that's currently on an SEC team that uh, hasn't been paid in the last three months for an NIL deal that he had signed. So that's what I'm talking about when when we're talking about like you know, are these are these deals being followed through with? It's like okay, you know, when you get on campus and you agree and you sign a contract. And by the way, there's a like these are contract folks. These are contracts that attorneys write up. You agree to pay this young man this amount of money for services rendered. This is what you're going to pay him per month or every two weeks, however mm -hmm. they want to, to put in the contract. I'm hearing that there are certain schools around the country um, that tried to get in the NIL game, NIL game a little bit too quick, and uh, and now they're, they're struggling to make payment. Um, so I, I just, I, I feel like it's going to become a bigger problem because one of the key things, somebody said this to me last night, it was very interesting. They said, you have got a lot of college football programs where you got some big wig people that want to try to throw some money down on a situation and, and make their name be known in the NIL community. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to payment time, when it comes down to, okay, let's pony up the money, they're like, well, they have these second thoughts. They're like, and what kind of return of investment am I going to get? You're not getting a return on investment, okay? It, 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 honestly, you're not. If you don't have a business, if you don't have something that these players are – you know, doing commercials for or interacting or, you know, making speaking appearances or whatnot, whatever, you're not going to get a return on investment if you just write this collective a check and say, here you go, this is for the player. So I, I just, you know, there's a lot of schools that got to figure out how to navigate through this. And also, Again, I go back to the biggest thing I, I said. If you if you agree to something, and if you agree to a contract with the money, and you don't have it, you don't need to be in the NIL game right now, and you don't need to be making promises to young kids. So, um, I think there's a lot of fixing that could go be going on right now in, in the NIL game, and I'm curious to see what it looks like. You know, maybe come spring or even next year, um, just a lot of schools trying to fix mistakes that they've made. Trey, I was thinking this morning about who's going to be next year's TCU. Well, it's a program in a major conference that was around 500 this year that could go on a big run. And the school that came to mind for me is in the state of Texas. It's Texas A&M. 
Texas A&M brings in Bobby Petrino. Their biggest problem was offensive structure. They may have fixed that if, if Bobby Petrino is able to call plays for that offense. They lost by two yards to Alabama. They lost very close games to Ole Miss and South Carolina. At the end of the year, they were still talented enough to blow out LSU in the final game of the season. They still have a lot of talent coming back. What do you think about the prospects of A&M making a big turnaround next year in, in the win-loss category? I, I think it's I, – I, Chad, I like where you're going with your thinking. I do because Texas A&M should be in playoff consideration or, or at least talk every single year. Like that, That's what you have Jimbo Fisher for. Um, Jimbo Fisher goes out and, and hires Bobby Petrino, who Bobby Petrino wasn't first on his list. Um, I think that's easy to tell by him interviewing in early December and not getting the job until – you know, uh, later on in, in January, you know, a, a week or so ago, however long it was. But I think when you look at it, they're making the right moves to take the next step. Last year was just rough in College Station. But you look at the talent that they have you know, turning, look at the talent that they have coming in. You know, a couple of these players from this signing class past year, you know, the, the 2022 signing class maybe grow up a little bit, at least the ones that haven't left yet. But you also look at the schedule and you look at it and you think, okay, this could line up to be something well. Like I I could see them, you know, with two losses. Like right now, like if we just thought of AM as what Texas AM should be, talent-wise, and what's on that roster, you would think, okay, that's a two-loss team, maybe a one-loss team if everything comes together, if their offense comes together this offseason with with Bobby Petrino. At the helm of calling plays and, and his coordination with Jimbo Fisher. I'm just curious to see how that plays out. But I agree with you, Chad. Like, if there's a team that can make the run in the state of Texas, in, in the SEC, not in the SEC, it's got to be AM because I, I think that they should be in that conversation every single year. And, and next year is a, a real opportunity to say, okay, we screwed up in 2022. Let's go back. Let's fix it. Let's make a statement in 23, and I think be the perfect team to do it, guys. Trey Wallace, you can read his work at outkick.com. Trey, thank you as always, man. Great coverage out in Los Angeles for the championship game, and we'll catch you up soon. Hey, guys, thanks so much. Have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate y'all having me. Get well. Yes. Get rid of that L.A. cold. (laughs) At Trey Wallace underscore is where you can follow him on social. Uh, Coming up, the Ritz-Carlton. You can stay at the Ritz at many top cities, and you can now stay at the Ritz on the open sea, going from the major cruise liners to the super yachts. Wait until you hear what's available and what the price tag is. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Chad, have you ever been on a cruise liner? I have never been on a cruise. And much like watching either one of the Avatar movies, it's something I never want to do. And I've never seen it, never want to see it, and I have no desire to go on a cruise. Avatar, by the way, surpassed Top Gun. Two billion. 
And right? they it's, needed, uh, and they needed to make two in order to turn a profit. I saw where it passed. James Cameron said that, I believe. Yeah, it passed. I mean, it's, it passed some ridiculous. Oh, Jurassic Park. This week, it passed the original Jurassic Park for seventh or sixth all time, highest grossing film. I, I have no desire to see it. Yeah, I saw the of. first one. I I don't. It's not like I. You, you don't know, need to see the next to one to complete this. the story. <laughs> don't think so. Okay, good. I can't even. I can barely remember the end of the first story. I don't care to know the story. I just. I, it's one of those that I see the trailer and I see the hype around it, and I think I have no desire to watch that. So uh, Ritz Carlton, they instead of uh, a cruise ship. This you, does have my interest. You have. I, I mean, yes, a super yacht, and this is like a series of. Uh, their hotel chain on the water that they're going to add to uh, over the next few years. But you can, for $4,600 over three days, get a room on the Ritz-Carlton super yacht, and they'll take you anywhere, anywhere from like Paris to uh, you know, the States, or you can go you know, a number of different places. And based on the size, it allows them to get into Greece and other countries, unlike some of these cruise ships for the port of call so they can actually fit into these spots and they can go to more luxurious places and it's upwards of like 12 grand depending on where you're going to stay at this Ritz Carlton. So this, this fascinates me because it's a very interesting business plan by Ritz Carlton mm -hmm. to go into the boat business yeah. with a lot of people hopping on a boat because when the pandemic happened, it changed people's thinking about a lot of different things. And a lot of things that we always just accepted as fun for years and years, it suddenly became a super spreader event. Cruises were a big one. People went on cruises and came Lockdown. back. I remember it was all the, what was the one of the phrases of the day that I wish, I, I, I'm sad I'm going to say it again, but contact tracing, Oh yeah, I think was one of them. These words that, that I thought we'd never use again that I just used. But all these things were being done because if you went on one of these cruises and someone was sick, or this happened, and then people started saying, you know what's an incubator for disease of all kind? Uh, cruise. Uh, Carnival Cruise Line. <laughs> and then Carnival just the lost their you-know-what on everything. So I do wonder if some of these companies, cruise line companies, sold off mm. some of their higher-dollar ships, and a company like Ritz-Carlton comes in, buys it, revamps it, makes it a high-end experience that's a little more spaced, yeah. On a boat like that, and then they get into the cruise line business. Or cruises just making a big comeback. Is this something that, like, I, you know, fashion, like mom jeans from the 80s made a comeback? Are cruises now making a comeback? This is just the high-end side of things. You know, like, the, you can get, like, on the cruise liners, like, $30 a day, all you can eat, whatever. This is not that. Right? Yeah. Like, that from East Oh, I think you could go on a cruise now for cheap. If you really wanted to and get the full experience, not this cruise, yeah, but on just the basic cruise before the pandemic, I bet those are at a discounted rate right now. I would uh, guess. I've never been to on a Athens cruise. Is fifteen thousand five hundred. Have you been on a cruise? I have not. No. Um, People that I, go I, on cruises love them. That they will. They, I, they will uh, spread the gospel of the cruise to anyone that'll listen. When I'm traveling, I want to just go to the city and see the city and not jump back on with a bunch of people. Right. Yeah. Like I, I would rather plot out where. You know, I'm going, we're going, and we end up, you know, hitting three or four different cities uh, and seeing the well, country and, just, and not staying on the water. If you're going to go with the all-inclusive experience, go to like a landlocked resort. 
that's all inclusive. If yeah, you're going to be like in, in one place, yeah, yeah, you go to Mexico to an all inclusive resort, and you don't have to leave and go to the town or go sightsee. You can stay there and have fun, but don't you want a bigger space that sprawls out? That's a resort and yeah. not on a ship. It's all, the whole premise. I I get that why it could be fun. But to me, the cruise is always secondary to other things that are equal to that experience that would be more fun and more enjoyable for me, like an all-inclusive resort. But if Fritz Carlton gets in the game, it has me rethinking. Maybe I should rethink my stance on cruises. <laughs> Don't you agree, though, that people that go on cruises love to tell you about the cruise they went on? And love yeah. to tell you why you should go on a cruise. Yeah, I do feel like the if Disney you're on the cruise, cruise people. I know plenty of families that go yeah. on the Disney cruise experience. <laughs> they tell me how awesome it is, and I'm thinking that sounds like hell on water to me. You'll be there soon, probably. <laughs> unfortunately, no. But still uh, haven't gone to Disney. I think though. people that go on cruises. My parents. My parents uh, went to Alaska on this Alaskan cruise line. Yeah, when I'm and old and I want to go see Norway. Yeah, I but mean, like, I would they be talked cool more about the boat than they did the spots. You know, it was more about the that's cruise weird itself. To me. But th that's how good it was. Um, so I'm not against it. We at had all. King Crab for five straight nights, Jonathan. Yeah, you well. would not believe the spread <laughs> they had on this Alaskan cruise. That's right. Have you? I had the best potatoes au gratin that I've ever had in my life on this cruise. Uh, I can't my stop thinking now. about it. This bunt cake they brought out one <laughs> night, the best bunt cake. But that's what I hear about the cruise. You can just go back to the bar yeah. and get whatever you want. And I'm Drinks, thinking, well, unlimited. that's any bar. You just might have to pay for the drink that you get. Yeah. But you, you, it's much better food, though. You know, oh, and they, by the I way, get, you, I mean, is it? You I, have I don't three star know. Michelin uh, chefs and restaurants on the Ritz Carlton. That's the other reason why. Well, Chad, everything's better go. on vacation. The food tastes better. The drinks Unless taste the better. Disney go down line. easier. But, I mean, I think that that's, I don't know. I, I think we're being sold a bill of goods by the cruise industry. Maybe I'm wrong. I've never been, so I'm not one to really comment. Coming up, we've got the headlines of the afternoon, which includes the updated NFL draft order. And Derek Carr puts out a statement on his future with the Raiders. That's next to now Kick 360.